Good morning, everyone. It's good to be with you, and I want to encourage you, please uh, remember not only the whites, but our other missionaries around the world, particularly as uh, we come to a time like Christmas. Uh, it is a time for many of them when they, they are keenly aware of the distance from family. Um, you know, they're glad to be where they are. They know God has called them to that place, but they also feel the distance from family as well. So please uplift them in your prayers. Well, we come to God's Word now, and we're carrying on in Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1, verses 6 to 11, yes, there's a few more names to go. <clears throat> and Jesse, the father of King David, David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Solomon, the father of Rehoboam, Rehoboam, the father of Abijah, Abijah, the father of Asa, Asa, the father of Jeho- Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat, the father of Jehoram, Jehoram, the father of Uzziah, Isaiah, the father of Jotham, Jotham, the father of Ahaz, Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah, Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh, Manasseh, the father of Amon, Amon, the father of Josiah, and Josiah, the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the exile to Babylon. This is God's word to us. And as I said, uh, during the season of Advent, uh, leading up to Christmas, we are working through Matthew chapter 1, and I'm calling this series Jesus's Family Tree, and an aim of mine is that every time you see a Christmas tree, you won't think so much about all the pressures of life, but that you would think about Jesus's family tree and how it, yes, how these names lead us to him, that these people and their stories prepare us to know him, to know him to receive him, and to live in him. And last Sunday, we covered the bottom third of Jesus' family tree, so to speak. We looked at God's promise to Abraham, and we saw that that list of names is more than just a list of names. It's a, a, a collection of stories, stories that tell us and show us, uh, yes, what some people did, but also what God did in their lives. And some of the stories, uh, if you weren't here, were pretty terrible, to be honest. People were unfaithful, they sinned. So there was the story of Judah and Tamar. But God was faithful, even when they weren't. He saved, he kept his promise. Other stories were examples of outsiders being brought into God's family by faith. So there was the story of Ruth, a great story. And through all of these stories, we saw God's faithfulness to his promise to Abraham that his family would be large and that through it, all nations would be blessed. We saw how that prepares us for Jesus, the one who will save us from our sin and indeed be this blessing to us and to the world. Well, God's promise to Abraham leads us to God's promise to David, King David. And the list of names we heard today is also a list of stories. And these stories uh, have a bit of a different flavor to them because they're all stories about kings. Every single man mentioned in this list was a king. And it mightn't surprise you to discover that nearly all of these characters and these stories can be found in the Old Testament books, amazingly called First Kings and Second Kings. 
I know sometimes the Bible is a confusing book, but actually it does try and help you find your way around. But we need to know that God's people didn't always have kings. This was a certain stage in their history. King David was only the second king they ever knew. And actually, it's sort of funny how Israel, God's people, got kings. Uh, The people, because of a bunch of different reasons, but the people came to God one day and through his prophet asked him, can we have a king? And that might seem very straightforward, but what they were really doing was a bit like a child coming to their parent and saying, like my son coming to me and saying, Dad, can I have a dad? It's a bit odd, isn't it? It's a bit of an insult. Uh, and God knew it was an insult. He was their king. That's why they'd never had a king up until this stage. And yet the people really wanted a king. And God told them, if, if you have a king, you know, there's a lot of stuff that goes with this. A king will take your sons for his wars. He'll take your daughters to work, work in his farms and in his, in his palaces, etc. Do you really want that? And the people said, yes. Yes, we do. Now, let's remember that God knows the end from the start. He knows the end from the start. You don't take bets with God. Uh, He doesn't just know the odds. He knows the way the dice will roll. And so God said, okay, you can have a king. I'll give you a king. But anytime God does something like this, we we should be questioning what's what's God doing? Because remember, he knows the end from the start. His people might be rejecting him. He still had a purpose. He was still at work. And so the Israelites got their first king, Saul, and he was okay. He didn't make this list, admittedly. He was okay. Uh, He actually got a little crazy towards the end of his time and was removed. And Saul was replaced by David, and David, oof, he was the best of the best. He had a heart for God. That's how he was actually described, a heart for God. He was brave, he was courageous, he was just and right. But most of all, most of all, David loved God. And God gave him an incredible promise, absolutely incredible promise. God promised David that this descendant of Abraham, that his family would not end. Someone from it would reign. His kingdom would last forever. When God said forever, he meant forever. That's a really big promise. It's a promise as big as the person making it, which given it's God, that's an eternal promise. And this is where Jesus' family tree comes in. Matthew 1 verse 6, and Jesse the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Look, we could have been told a lot of things about David here. Uh, He did a lot in his life, a lot of good things. But the one thing, the one point we're told about David is that his son Solomon was also the wife, sorry, the son of someone else's wife, Uriah's wife. We're not given her name here, but her name was Bathsheba. The story is found in 2 Samuel 11, where David takes Uriah's wife and sleeps with her, and she gets pregnant. And then David goes and kills Uriah to try and hide what he has done. Now hear me, when I said 
David loved God. I wasn't kidding. He did. He still did all of this. He still tried to hide it from everyone, which you can't hide things from God. I mean, he still tried and we still try, don't we? And David, uh, sorry, God convicts David and David repents of his sin. And this is where Psalm 51 comes in. This is a psalm where David pours out his heart about his grief over what he has done. He says sorry and he repents of it. Now, what is God doing here? When the people asked for a king in God's place, God said, okay. While David was a great king, God made an eternal promise knowing, knowing that David would do this. God knew it. So what's going on here? What is God up to with this kingship and his people who asked for it? And you need to follow the rest of the story, and I hope this makes some sort of sense. This colourful chart shows the rest of the kings, the rest of the names listed in Jesus' genealogy that we read this morning. And it shows whether they would be considered good in green, sort of good and bad, which is the orangey-yellow colour there, or bad, which is red. And you can find references for each of these in your new sheet today if you want to look them up. So David, yes, even after all he was did, uh, was green. He was the best of the best. Solomon, his son, was, was a mix, actually, of good and bad. Solomon was very wise. He was. He was very wise, incredibly wise. But his heart was led astray by his many foreign wives. Rehoboam and Abijah were bad. Asa and Jehoshaphat were good. They followed God. Jehoram and Uzziah were bad, and, and so on it goes. Jotham, good and bad. Ahaz was, was really bad. When I say really bad, I mean he sacrificed his son to other gods. It's, it's pretty bad. Hezekiah was one of the best kings. He really was. Uh, unfortunately, he was followed by Manasseh and Amon. Manasseh would undo a lot of the good that Hezekiah had done. Uh, he also sacrificed his son uh, in fire to other gods as well. And Josiah, right down there towards the end, the last one in green, uh, he was an incredible king. He came to the throne at eight years old. It's a young age, isn't it? I'm sure he had some help. Uh, but when he was 26, the book of God's law was found. Somehow they'd lost it. Yes, I know, they'd lost that. Probably one of the things they really shouldn't have lost. But it was found and it was read to Josiah when he was 26. And he heard what God had called them to. He heard for the first time what, how God had called them to live. And he tore his clothes in grief. That was his response. He recognized, you know, he, he had a heart towards God, but he suddenly recognized, actually, this is what God has caused us to live. And he, he repented and changed his ways. He did credible things. I mean, he was followed up by Jeconiah, who undid pretty much all of those things as well. These are the kings, the kings of Judah, the kings of God's people. And it's at the end of this that God takes the Israelites into captivity to teach them a lesson. It's like, well, you won't learn the lesson right here in the promised land, so I'll send you away so you can learn it, and then I can bring you back. So some of these kings were good. They weren't perfect, but they were good. They had faith in God. Unfortunately, more of the kings were bad and led the people astray. So again, what is God doing in all of this? Because he's doing something. 
How does God giving his people a king prepare us for Jesus? Why would God give such an incredible promise to David that an ancestor of his would sit on the throne eternally when David himself would sin so badly? What's going on here? What's God up to? And to answer these, we need to know a bit of the rest of Matthew's story in Jesus. In Matthew 9, as an example, we're told the story of two blind men uh, who hear that Jesus is there, and they follow Jesus calling out, Have mercy on us, son of David. Have mercy on us, son of David. Now think about this for a moment. Why would they call Jesus the son of David? Why would they identify him with King David? Uh, it's, I don't think it's because they'd read his genealogy. Uh, they were blind for one thing, and Gospels Matthew wasn't written for another thing. No, these blind men didn't need to read Jesus' genealogy to put the evidence together about Jesus. They'd heard enough about Jesus to recognize that he must be the Messiah, and they knew, they knew the Messiah would be a descendant of King David. This is why they're calling out, have mercy on us, son of David. They're calling out to their deliverer. They're calling out to the Messiah. They're calling out to the expected king of God. And Jesus answers their call. He heals both of them. He does. He answers to this name. Or what about the Canaanite woman in Matthew 15? Her daughter was demon-possessed and suffering terribly. And this Canaanite woman, an outsider to Israel, also calls Jesus the son of David. Even this lady who, who wasn't a Jew, she had heard of God's promises to David. She knew the Jewish hope that the Messiah of the Messiah And she knew what Jesus had done, and she knew her daughter's need, and so she cried out to him as well. She cried out to him. That, that is faith. Crying out to him, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus heard her cry. In fact, Jesus was so impressed by her faith in him, that there and then, without without even seeing her daughter as far as we know, He healed her right then. But I think the the most important story from Matthew's gospel about Jesus as the son of David is probably found in Matthew 21. Jesus is entering Jerusalem not long before his death. This is just before it. And he rides into Jerusalem this time on a donkey, a sign of humility as a leader. And the people including the children, we're told, were shouting out, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Hosanna means God saves or God save us. And it was an expression of praise to God and to each other. These people were so excited about Jesus' entry into Jerusalem because they knew, they knew he was God's promised Messiah. They knew he was the son of David. God was at long last fulfilling his promise to David. God was giving them a king and a savior who would lead them, who would save them. And they were absolutely right about Jesus being the son of David. 
and a king. He just wasn't the king they were expecting. Jesus wasn't there to save them or bring them peace by political means. He wasn't there to kick the Romans out who were in charge. He was there to save them from their sin. He was there to bring peace between them and God. Whether they were good, but of good and bad, or whether they were bad, they all needed saving. They had sin that needed dealing with. They had an enemy they couldn't defeat. And this, this is what God had been up to the whole time. This is why God had given them a king so many years ago, so many generations ago, that one day the king of kings would come. A king to lead them into battle and to fight for them. And and he was here. He was going to war for them. And he was going to fight sin. He was going to die for them. But he was going to win. When God made his promise to David that a descendant of his would sit upon his throne forever and that his kingdom would never end, this is what David, sorry, this is what God was promising. The perfect king, the one who would be perfectly faithful where all those before had not. The one who would be like any other king before him and get down and serve them. This is not the king who would take their sons and daughters. This is the king who would come and die for their sons and daughters. This is the king God had planned. A king who Isaiah prophesied, saying, He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. And we know the rest of the story. We know that it was God's zeal, God's passion, God's commitment to accomplish this for us because it was his plan. It's no one else's plan, just his Yes, we have a king who knows us because he came and lived as one of us. He understands your pains and temptations and he intercedes for you. He is your wonderful counsellor. We have a king who is mighty God. He is powerful and strong. Yes, Jesus was fully human like us, but he was also able to do much more than us. We have a king who is our everlasting father. And I'm not confusing God the father and Jesus here. But Jesus is our protector and provider like a good father. And he will not stop doing this for us. He's not going to step down from this role. And we have a king who is our prince of peace because he brings us into a relationship with God and with each other where there is nothing outstanding. There is no sin left uncovered. There is no conflict unresolved. There is no relationship unrestored. Yes, this is our king. This child is our hope, our peace. His life is our life. But do we know it? 
Can we say Hosanna with the crowds? Hosanna to the son of David. Hosanna to the one who saves us from our sin. Hosanna to the one who is our peace. Hosanna to our king who loves us. Can we say that? Will we say it? Let's pray together. Almighty God, I give thanks that even when your people rejected you and turned their backs from you, you did not turn your backs from them or for us. That you were acting and working throughout all of this. Acting and working to send your son for them and for us. Acting and working to redeem us. Acting to do what we could do and what no other king, no political ruler would do. That you would come yourself, you would send your perfect son to come and stand in our place. What a wonder this is. And we want to join those crowds Oh, they welcomed you into Jerusalem, but we know what you have done, Jesus. We want to join them and shout, Hosanna to the son of David. Hosanna to the one who has saved us, who has given himself for us. Hosanna to our king, who would withhold nothing from us. Hosanna. Hosanna to you, we pray. In your name. Amen.